Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I am intending to do in this audio, Acts chapter 25, verses 13 through 27. The content of this passage of Scripture will be Paul in Caesarea, under custody of the Roman officials, under the custody of Portius Festus, who is now having a hearing provided by Festus to King Agrippa, Herod Agrippa II, and his sister Bernice there in Caesarea. Our context is this. Paul has ended up in Jerusalem after his third journey. He is followed by Jews from Asia who accuse him of doing all kinds of things against Israel, against the Jews, against the law, against the temple. There's a riot. He, Paul is rescued by the Roman commander there in Jerusalem, Claudius Lysias. Claudius Lysias sends him to the Sanhedrin to see what's going on. The Sanhedrin has another riot. It's threatening to tear Paul limb from limb. And in both riots, Claudius Lysias had rescued Paul, could not find anything that was wrong. And he also found out there was a plot to assassinate Paul by 40 assassins in Jerusalem. So Lysias sends him to Festus and kicks the can outside of his jurisdiction. And uh, in Caesarea, two years earlier... This was approximately 58 when all this happened. Two years later, in 86, excuse me, still in 58, we have the Roman procurator in Caesarea, Felix, who tries him. He can't find anything wrong with him either, but he doesn't let him loose because I'm sure he doesn't want to get the Jews angry at him. And so now he gets kicked out of his office. He loses his office, and Portius Festus comes to take the procurator's place in Caesarea in AD 60, and he finds Paul in chains there. And then he has a trial again. He gets some Jews. He had already met the Jews in Jerusalem uh, after he arrived from Rome. And then he went back to Caesarea says, y'all, you Jews, come up here, and let's see what you can accuse him of. And they did. He couldn't find anything wrong with them again. And so, and Paul finally got tired of the whole mess and says, I want to go to Caesar and get tried. And I'm sure Paul wanted to go to Rome, wanted to get away from Jerusalem, because he wanted to go to Rome anyway for ministry purposes. And he was didn't want to go back to Jerusalem because the kangaroo court, the Sanhedrin, would execute him. And in fact, they tried to hire assassins to get him on the way back to Jerusalem, but that didn't happen. So now Festus has got the job of sending a report to the Romans and saying, this guy's appealed to Caesar, this is what the charges are. Well, he didn't know what to charge him with. So he says, okay, I'm going to take Paul and, and send him. And, and let him be interviewed by Herod Agrippa II. And that is where we are. We'll start in Acts 25, verse 13. After some days had passed, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea and paid a courtesy call on Festus. This is some days after Paul's defense before Portius Festus and the representatives from the Sanhedrin there in Caesarea. Some days had passed. King Agrippa, that's Herod Agrippa II, and Bernice, that's his sister, King Herod Agrippa's second sister, arrived in Caesarea and paid a courtesy call on Festus. Now, who is this Herod Agrippa II? Well, he was 17 years old when Herod Agrippa I, his father, died in AD 44. He was a member of the Herodian family. Turned out he was the last member, the eighth and last member of the Herods. And he ended up ruling north and east of the Sea of Galilee, these little Roman provinces called, not provinces, I'm sorry, Roman jurisdictions called Golanitis, Trachonitis, Batania, and then north of Sea of Galilee, Iturea, I think, between the Lebanese mountains. Up in that area is what he was in charge of. His father, Herod Agrippa I, had killed James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John the Apostle. This is in Acts 12, 1 through 2, about that same time King Herod, and that's Herod Agrippa I, not the second. King Herod Agrippa I 
This is about in the 40s sometime. Remember, now we're in AD 60. This is in the 40s sometime. About that time, King Herod cruelly attacked some who belonged to the church, and he killed James, John's brother, with a sword. And that's King Herod Agrippa I. And unfortunately, I don't know what it is about ancient writers that just give a name, and they don't give enough name enough of the name to identify exactly who it is. You have to go to history to figure that out. Well, anyway, that was King Herod Agrippa I. And now Paul is appearing before King Herod Agrippa II, the son, not the father. Now, this Herod Agrippa II was supposedly a good ruler. He was, unfortunately for him, on the side of the Romans when the Jewish war broke out in 66 AD. And as a result, his Jewish subjects overthrew him. And so he lost his job up there, but he, he didn't die. He lasted till eighty, a hundred, a long time later. He was, according to the, to the NIV Study Bible, and he was the last of the Herods, the eighth and last ruler of the Herodian dynasty, according to Wikipedia. Now, who is his sister Bernice? First of all, how do you pronounce his name? The Holman Christian Study Bible has it Bernice. Her Greek name is Berenike, and so sometimes the English rendering of that Greek name is Berenice, B-E-R-E-N-I-C-E, but... We're going to call her Bernice, the anglicized version of it, instead of Berenike. She was 16 years old at the death of her father, Herod Agrippa I, and her brother, Herod Agrippa II, was 17 years old when their common father, Herod Agrippa I, died. Now, she's kind of well-known because she lived with her brother, Herod Agrippa II, and that's why she showed up at this hearing. Well, the fact that she was living with her brother led to all sorts of vicious rumors that she was living in incest with her brother. Now, nobody will ever prove that. She later married a guy named Polemon, who was king of Cilicia, right nearby there, Paul's home province, to silence the rumors that she was living in incest. But later she she left Polemon of Cilicia to live with Herod Agrippa II again. Well, that could be perfectly innocent, I don't know. But Jameson Fawcett Brown said that her subsequent licentious life tended to confirm the rumors. Wikipedia says this, quote, After a number of failed marriages throughout the 40s, she spent much of the remainder of her life at the court of her brother, Herod Agrippa II. Amidst rumors, the two were carrying on an incestuous relationship. It's just rumors. She later became, interestingly enough, the mistress of Titus. Well, actually, at the time, Titus was not emperor yet. He was the son of Vespasian, but shortly after Vespasian died, Titus did become emperor, and she was his mistress. This is the same Titus who burnt Jerusalem down during the Jewish war. Titus eventually ignored her, as the NIV Study Bible says, and Wikipedia says that once Titus died, Bernice disappears from history. So there's some good biographical background amongst these two who are listening to Paul. One other point about Bernice is that she, interestingly enough, was the sister of Felix's wife, Drusilla. So Herod Agrippa I had Herod Agrippa II as his son, he had Bernice as his daughter, and he had Drusilla as his daughter. And remember, Drusilla was that beautiful woman who was married to somebody else, and then Felix, the previous procurator, the one before Festus, he had used a magician to pry, to pry Drusilla away from her husband. Uh, well, these, these guys are all kind of related to one another. So anyway... Herod Agrippa II and Bernice give a courtesy call to Portius Festus. Why? Because Festus had just acceded, acceded to the procuratorship. This is around 60 AD, and this was typical politics. We go now to verses 14 through 17 in Acts 25. Since they stayed there many days, the they meaning Herod Agrippa II and his sister Bernice stayed there many days, Festus presented Paul's case to the king. 
saying, there's a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. Remember, Felix is the previous procurator. Felix put Paul under house arrest for two years and apparently put him in jail, back in jail, in order for him to be in jail when Festus arrived. Festus continued, continues, when I was in Jerusalem, remember Festus went to Jerusalem after resting for three days in Caesarea on his way in, then he went down to Jerusalem. The chief priests and the elders of the Jews presented their case and asked for a judgment against them. Now, what kind of a judgment? Depends on the manuscript variance. It could be they wanted the final resolution of the case. Was Paul guilty or is he not? Or maybe they wanted condemnation and death. I suspect the latter. Maybe not. Depends on what they felt like asking for and what they thought Festus might give them. I answered them that it's not the Romans' custom to give any man up before the accused confronts the accusers face to face and has an opportunity to give a defense concerning the charges. There, Festus is quoting some of the solid maxims of Roman jurisprudence. You always allow the accused to call witnesses, and one of the witnesses has to be the accuser. You're allowed to, to confront your accusers face to face. And you have to give the accused an opportunity to give a defense. This is one reason why Roman jurisprudence was respected all over the world. When I went to law school, there was a two-hour course on Roman law. And I think I took that course, if I remember. I remember I was very impressed with the Roman law. I was surprised that even in this late day that people would even care about the Roman law. And by the way, the Jewish law was the same way. Nicodemus in John 7:51 said this, Our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? So you see, all good legal systems will allow accused people to defend themselves and to confront their accusers. Verse 17 in Acts 25, Festus continues, speaking to Herod Agrippa II and his wife Bernice, Therefore, when they had assembled here, I did not delay. Therefore, when they, that means the Sanhedrin coming up from Jerusalem, had assembled here, I did not delay. The next day I sat at the judge's bench. That means it was a legal official hearing. I sat at the judge's bench and ordered the man to be brought in, ordered Paul to be brought in. Now, why is Festus, Portius Festus, why is he going to so much trouble to tell Herod Agrippa II and Bernice about this trial that he had with Paul? Why does he care? Well, remember, Portius Festus is a Roman. He knows nothing about the Jews. He's just arrived. He's green. He's just off the boat. He's trying to get acquainted with the jurisdiction he's trying to rule. Herod Agrippa had been there for years. In fact, he had been ruling in Jewish territory for years. So he was better acquainted with Jewish matters than Herod Agrippa II was. Excuse me, than uh, Festus was. So since Herod Agrippa II was in town anyway, he figured he would ask him for some help. And we'll see later that he also had to write out a charge, uh, an accompanying letter to accompany Paul on his trip to Rome because Paul had already appealed to Caesar. And by law, Portius Festus had to tell the receiving Roman judicial officials, the emperor or the emperor's appointee, what it was that Paul was charged with. And he couldn't think of anything. He couldn't figure out what Paul had done that was wrong. Now let's look at Portius Festus a little bit. There have been conflicting opinions about this Roman administrative official. Josephus has very favorable things to say about him. For example, he killed the assassins, the capital A assassins, a party of so-called Sicarii who carried these short curved daggers and who would walk around in the streets during festivals and then all of a sudden stab somebody and nobody could see where the knife was coming from. And it's an interesting story, but basically Festus managed to catch them all in the wilderness and he massacred them. 
took care of them. And then he was involved in another dispute with the Jews, and it shows how fair-minded he was. What happened was, is Herod Agrippa II, not Festus, but Herod Agrippa II, had built a dining area in his temple palace in Jerusalem, and it was at a high level. And from that dining area, one could look down into the temple, into the inner court of the temple, and see all the sacrifices and activities going on down there. And the Jews felt violated by that. They didn't like it. Plus, there was a guard post there, I think, that allowed guards to look down into the temple. And so the Jews didn't like that, and they built up a, a wall on the western end of the inner court there to, to shield the view. Well, Herod Agrippa didn't like that, so he ordered the wall pulled down. And originally, Festus agreed, yes, pull the wall down, Herod Agrippa II. But the Jews went to Festus and said, wait a minute, how about let us appeal this to Nero? And so Festus said, okay, you can appeal it to Nero. They go to Rome. They win their appeal. They come back and tell Festus, hey, the emperor said to, tear it, to let us keep it up. And so Festus says, you're right, you're going to keep it up. And so he had ruled against Festus on that occasion. I'm sure Festus wasn't too angry about it because, I mean, what are you going to say? If the emperor says to let the Jews keep the wall up, well, the wall's going to stay up. But at any rate, that shows he was a fair-minded administrator. However... And this 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 favorable information comes from Josephus and is duly quoted by GotQuestions.org. But that website also trashes Festus because they say that Festus was to Paul what Pontius Pilate was to Jesus. That Festus wanted peace more than justice, even as Pontius Pilate wanted peace more than justice. Now, if you go through the resurrection and crucifixion narratives, there's no question that Pontius Pilate thought that Jesus was innocent, but he was worried about a riot more than anything, more than he was worried about saving Jesus' life and doing justice to Jesus. So he was no hero, of course, even though he he knew that Jesus was innocent. Well, Got Question says that Festus dismissed, to, to show that Festus wanted peace more than justice, GotQuestions.org mentions the fact that Festus had dismissed Paul's case or had considered Paul's case a mere dispute about the Jews' religion. This is in Acts 25:19, which we'll read in just a minute. And in the, in the next chapter, in Acts 26:24, Festus had told Paul that Paul was out of his mind. And then Festus had sent Paul unjustly to judgment at Rome. He should have set him free. Well, and let's look at this. When Festus dismissed Paul's case as a mere dispute about the Jews' religion, that's true. That, he was exactly right about that. But are we not going to cut him some slack? Because if he set Paul loose and the Jews then proceeded to kill him or to riot, maybe that's not such a good idea to set Paul loose. So, I mean, we can make an argument in Festus's favor there. When he said that Paul was out of his mind in Acts 26, 24, he might have just been saying that in, in, in a religious context, you know, like you talk to a philosopher or to a Democrat or to some leftist or something, you know, and say, you know, you're out of your mind. That doesn't mean that you want them to be executed or that injustice is going on. You're just expressing an opinion, a religious opinion or a philosophical opinion. So I'm not so sure we can nail Festus on that either. Now, on the charge that Paul sent, that Festus sent Paul unjustly to his judgment in Rome, well, Cutting against that a little bit is Paul himself wanted to go to Rome. It was Paul who appealed to go to Rome. But on the other hand, if you want to say that Festus was unjust, you could say, well, Paul had to do that. Festus forced Paul to appeal to Rome because if Festus had let Paul go, despite the Jews' objections, there would no need, be no need for Paul to go to Rome, and he would be a free man in Jerusalem. So if you're looking in the in the looking at the matter in the 
under the aspect of strict justice, no, these Roman commanders were not totally just because Paul was totally innocent. They should have let him go in strict justice. But they were more than just judicial officials. They were also political officials, governors, administrative officials, and they had to worry about peace and safety. So you got to cut them a little bit of slack, in my humble opinion. But at any rate, that's who Festus was. So Paul now is what is getting ready to be taken before, he's already been before Festus, is getting ready to go before Herod Agrippa II, who were, of all the people that he could have been put before, were fairly objective people, much more objective than the Sanhedrin was. We go to Acts 25, verses 18 through 21. Concerning him, concerning Paul, this is Festus continuing to talk to Herod Agrippa II. Concerning him, concerning Paul, the accusers, that's the Jews from the Sanhedrin who had come up from Jerusalem to Caesarea, Concerning him, the accusers stood up and brought no charge of the sort I was expecting. Instead, they had some disagreements with him about their own religion, about a certain Jesus, a dead man Paul claimed to be alive. Now, notice there that Festus doesn't believe that Jesus was actually alive. It's just that Paul claimed that he was alive. It sounds like what Festus is thinking is that this that this dead man was not really dead, that somebody had erroneously gotten the idea he was dead, but he was actually still alive. I'm not sure that Festus was saying that Paul claimed that there was a resurrection of a dead man. I think what he's saying is is that Paul is saying that somebody who is alive who was never killed in the first place, which is not what Paul was speaking, of course, but he didn't understand. And he definitely didn't understand matters of the Jewish religion. Verse 20, Festus continues talking to Herod Agrippa II. Since I was at a loss in a dispute over such things, I asked him if he wished to go to Jerusalem and be tried there concerning these matters. But when Paul appealed to be held for trial by the emperor, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I could send him to Caesar. All right, let's look at verse 19. Festus says, Instead, they had some disagreements with him, with Paul. The Sanhedrin had some disagreements with Paul about their own religion. Actually, the Greek word there can be translated as superstition as well as religion. So let's look at that translation issue. It was probably religion, not superstition, because superstition is bad among the Romans as, as it is among us. In other words, it's a pejorative term, and Festus probably would not be speaking to a Jewish king pejoratively, because King Agrippa II was actually higher up in rank than Festus was. And so he's not going to try to insult the Jewish King Agrippa II by saying that his religion was a superstition. All right, so it's it's religion. And Festus says, I was not expecting the kind of defense. Oh, excuse me. I was expecting, uh, not expecting the charges that the Sanhedrin brought against my prisoner Paul. What was he expecting? He was probably expecting some notorious crime that would warrant capital punishment, as John Gill says. I mean, after all, he shows up in Caesarea. You've got Paul in chains. The Jews were acting violently towards Paul, and they had been doing so since two years previous. Paul had been snatched twice from their hands, once in front of the fortress Antonia in the temple riot, and also once from the Sanhedrin. Claudius Lysias had to rescue him twice, so maybe this guy's starting a riot. The high priests and the leaders of the Jewish nation were all opposing him. This was not just some minor disturbance of the peace issue. This was big stuff. This shows how the Jews were so scared of the Christian religion, how it was spreading so fast, despite the fact they had killed the man who started the Christian religion, Jesus Christ. And the reason the religion was spreading so fast is because it was true. Jesus really had risen from the dead. And the Jews were wrong in claiming that he had not risen from the dead. Well, Jameson Fawcett and Brown say 
point out or make the statement that Festus just could not understand all the fuss over a dead man. What in the world is going over here? All this rioting and everything over a religious matter? What's going on? Now, in a previous audio, my memory might fail me, but I think I said it was unclear whether the Jews mentioned something about religious stuff or whether they had gotten off of that and just mentioned sedition. Well, apparently right here, this verse shows me that uh, I don't know why I was even disputing that question because it says clearly that Festus discerned that some of the charges were about religious matters, not just secular matters. We go now to verse 22 of Acts chapter 25. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this is Agrippa listening to Festus, then he's responding. He said, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow you will hear him. He, Festus, replied. Now why would Agrippa express such interest in hearing Paul? John Gill says that Agrippa would have loved to have to hear the chief proponent of the new religion that's spreading all over Israel. Agrippa's heard a lot about this Christian stuff, this Christianity stuff. I want to hear about it. And now you have got one of the chief apostles of this religion in jail here? Oh, hot dog. I want to talk to him. And besides, all kings like to know what's going on in their territory, and Christianity was going on in the territory of the Jews. And remember, this is Herod Agrippa II. His father had put to death James, the brother of John, in Acts chapter 12, back 20 years earlier or so. And he might have heard about Christianity from his father. And so he's curious. So he gets a date the next day to listen to Paul. We go to Acts 25, verses 23 through 27. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice, now Bernice is Agrippa, this is Herod Agrippa II, and Bernice is his sister, came with great pomp and entered the auditorium. They're kings, remember, they, they called him king. It's hard to keep all these Roman officials straight, their jurisdiction straight. Sometimes it's split up, sometimes it's taken away from them, and who's in charge, and is it a procurator or is it a king? And I can't keep it straight in my head, but at any rate, he was the big shot. He was the Jewish, he was the Roman big shot who was a Jew. He came with great pomp and entered the auditorium. This was not a judgment seat now. This is an auditorium. This was not a legal trial, so they just had an auditorium with the commanders and prominent men of the city. Now, the commanders... Who were they? Well, there were five regiments stationed at Caesarea, five Roman regiments, and all of their commanders would be present. This is the NIV Study Bible. So we got military people there and prominent men of the city, city officials, as well as Herod Agrippa. So this is a big, big deal that Paul is getting ready to involve himself in. When Festus gave the command, Paul was brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all men present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish community has appealed to me, both in Jerusalem and here. What he's referring to there is when he got to Caesarea on his new appointment at about AD 60, he was tired, he rested for three days in Caesarea, then he went up to Jerusalem to see the capital, and he talked to the Jews there, and they said, well, you got to give us this man, Paul, and, and then... Festus says, no, you got to come back to Caesarea and I'll, I'll try him up there with you present. And so when, he's, when Agrippa is introducing Paul to the assembled dignitaries, he's saying that, hey, the Jews appealed to me while I was in Jerusalem, then I came back here to Caesarea, and they appealed to me here again. Kill this guy, both in Jerusalem and here, and, and I'm continue with, continuing with the scripture here, shouting that he should not live any longer. So this was not a measured, temperate appeal. This was kill the guy. Verse 25, now realize that he had not done anything deserving of death. And once again, just like Lysias, who couldn't find anything 
deserving of death in Paul's activities, neither could Festus. This shows that he's perfectly innocent. Now I realized that he had not done anything deserving of death, but when he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. He had to send him, actually. It was not much of a decision. I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him, my lord Nero. By the way, it's interesting that early emperors would never allow anybody to call them lord because that sounded like a master-slave relationship and they didn't want their subjects to be considered slaves. After all, this was allegedly a Roman republic. Even even the emperor Octavian called him, called it a republic. But by the time of Nero, that's all right. You can call you can call the emperor lord because they had sunk further into slavery. The Roman citizens had. Festus continues, I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him. The reason he had nothing definite to write to Nero about Paul was that Paul was completely innocent. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, Festus continues, and especially before you, King Agrippa, that's Herod Agrippa II, so that after this examination is over, I may have something to write, for it seems unreasonable to me to send a prisoner and not to indicate the charges against him. Yeah, it was certainly unreasonable, right? In fact, it was illegal. So, yeah, he had to come up with something, and so he's he's sincerely asking Agrippa for some help here. Now, whatever this auditorium was in Caesarea, I don't know what it was, but it was suitable for the pomp of all the dignitaries present, so it was a relatively large place. The fact that Paul was brought before all these dignitaries is reminiscent of several scriptures that where it was predicted and stated that this was going to happen to the early Christians. 1 Corinthians 4.9, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says this in 1 Corinthians 4, 9, For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, in last place, like men condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the world and to angels and to men. Matthew twenty three thirty four. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, with Jewish terminology for what were later to be called apostles and prophets. I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. And, of course, the Jews are persecuting Paul from town to town. It was Jews from Asia who followed him to Jerusalem, and then the the Sanhedrin of Jerusalem is following Paul to Caesarea from town to town, persecuting, persecuting the prophets of God, persecuting Paul, just like Jesus predicted. Acts 9.15 But the Lord said to him, Go! For this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. Now, this is Jesus talking to Ananias, the guy in Damascus who prayed for Paul to receive his sight and to be filled with the Spirit. The Lord said to Ananias, Go, for this man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to take my name to whom? To Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites. So, yes, Paul's going to be hauled before kings. Actually, he's going to be taken before Nero, maybe not personally, but Nero's government in Rome. Acts 27:24. Paul is relating what an angel told him in a vision as he's on the boat going from Caesarea to Rome, and there's a storm, and they're about to shipwreck. And the angel says, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. You must stand before Caesar, another court trial of uh, adjudicated by the Roman government. So, Scripture clearly says that it was expected, it was prophesied even by Jesus, and it was pointed out by Paul in his letters and in Luke in the history of Acts that, yes, Christians are going to be hailed before courts. I don't have the verse where Jesus said, don't worry about what you will say at that time, for the Holy Spirit will guide you. Jesus said that. All right, so Festus is now going to Agrippa and going to have a big public to-do, not a legal trial, but a big public hearing. So he can come up with some something he can write to the Roman government as he sends Paul to Rome. And he asked Agrippa, 
because he thought Agrippa would be more sensitive to Jewish things than he would be. Agrippa was clueless, actually, about what the Jews believed. He didn't know. He didn't have any idea what was going on. But Agrippa would know the differences between Pharisees and Sadducees. This is a list of things the NIV Study Bible list. Agrippa would know. Herod Agrippa the second would know the differences between Pharisees and Sadducees. He would know what the Jewish expectations of the Messiah would be. That long-held and deeply ingrained messianic belief that the Jews had. Herod Agrippa II would know the differences between Jews and Christians. Herod Agrippa II would know Jewish customs. So, Festus is probably doing a smart thing here to figure out what's going on. Now, notice in verse 25, and this is key, Paul uh, uh, Festus tells Herod Agrippa II, now I realize that he had not done anything deserving of death. Well, he might have done something, but he certainly didn't deserve, deserve to be put to death like these Jews want me to do. That was just the same conclusion that Claudius Lysias, the Roman military Kiliarch, the commander in Jerusalem, had said when he wrote the letter to the previous procurator Felix in Caesarea. He said, I found that the accusations were about disputed matters in their law and that there was no charge that merited death or chains, not even death, not even chains. There's nothing he could figure out what's going on. So by now, it's very clear that Paul was innocent. So we will leave that innocent Paul there and shut this audio down. In our next audio, we will start into chapter 26, where Paul gives his explanation of his beliefs to Herod Agrippa II. I hope you stay tuned for that audio, and I hope you enjoyed this one. <laughs>